0: we mm-hmm. Hey, how's it going, everybody? This is Chris. Welcome to episode 264 of X-Lapsed. We are back with the flagship book of the line here. It's feels like it's been a minute since we uh, last looked at an issue of X-Men, but uh, we got one. We got one, and it's a pretty good one. Um, is it perfect? No. Uh, but what is, right? Uh, let's, let's get into it here, because we do have a fair amount to discuss today, and I don't want to take up too much of your time. So... Let's hop on in. This is X Men Volume 6, Number 3, had a November 2021 cover date. The title, a little cringy. Um, it's called Fearless Chapter 3, Problematic Fan. And I'm not sure exactly what that alludes to, but uh, I don't know. Anyway, written by Jerry Duggan, art by Pepe Larraz, colors, Mardi Gracia, letters, VCs, Clayton Cowles, designs, Tom Muller, head of X for now is Hickman. Edit tomorrow. Be so White, Sabolski, cover price $3.99, and this one went on sale September the 22nd of 2021. Now we open with a mostly blank quote page courtesy of Mr. Sinister. In it, he makes it uh, pretty clear that he isn't the biggest fan of the high evolutionary, to which I say, join the club, my sassy pal, because I'm not either. We jump into comics content, and we join our X-Men in Vietnam. Now, they're there to await the arrival of some pretty big spaceships. Uh, this is the High Evolutionaries' fleet. Now, of our team, Rogue is the most upset, annoyed, and angered by this. And this is a callback to one of the last Uncanny Avengers stories that I'd ever read. Now, um, I believe it was the opening arc of the second volume, before the... What was it, The Standoff? Was that the series that was, uh, like, the crossover that happened? I think it was before The Standoff thing, and this is where uh, Rick Remender was kind of handing the title off to, well, the writer of this issue, Jerry Duggan. Now, this was the story wherein Marvel temper tantrumed the mutant hood out of the Maximoffs, if I'm remembering right, and also, well, Rogue wasn't, uh... Rogue was kind of out of sorts in this one, thanks to the High Evolutionary. I think she was... Kept in captivity, a lot of mental hoodoo was going on It was uh, not, a, not a good time to be rogue Anyway, the evolutionary arrives And he's uh, flanked by some generic, boring, you know, uh, evolved critters And also a woman called Luminous Who was uh, created by the high evolutionary Using the uh, aforementioned Maximov's DNA Which is to say she's like part Wanda, part Pietro And this will be confirmed a bit later on So here's the thing now, the evolutionary claims that the terraforming and colonization of Mars into Arako was a, uh, kind of like a domino being tipped here. The first domino being tipped over, citing that it was a catalyst to the recent attacks on Earth. And, of course, we saw that giant thing from Issue 1 that the X-Men had to concoct the great big X-Mech in order to fight off, you remember. And, of course, we had that sad little annihilation wave in Issue 2. Oh, and, um, also... Hmm, okay... If you've been listening to this show for the past few episodes, uh, you remember how Jerry Duggan wagged his finger in our faces during X Men Green, like how awful humans are and how none of us care about the planet and the environment. Well, we get a little bit more of that here. Um, The evolutionary has luminous fetch something called a nihility or nihil. It's I'm guessing it's a play on nihilism. You know, nihility sphere which is like a bomb of sorts here. It'll take out almost all the humans on Earth for their role in climate change. Now, those who survive might just become post-human, to which I ask, hey, remember when we cared about post-humanity? Huh. Anyway, the evolutionary yammers on a bit until Rogue punches him in the mush. She then tells the X-Men not to hold back because uh, the H.E. is a big boy and he can take a beating. Now, that's all Lorna's got to hear. She rushes in and punches Luminous in the face, while also saying that uh, the X-Men throw hands, which is a little bit cringe here. Uh, Is Polaris like 15? I don't know. Uh, The High Evolutionary then calls for the Evolutionary Guard, but before we get to the big fight, we hop to our double-page spread of roll call and cred. Our characters are, well, they're the elected X-Men. Cyclops, Jean Grey, Sunfire, Sync, Wolverine, you know, Laura, X-23 Polaris, and Rogue Back to comics, and well, for the next dozen or so page We've got, uh, well, we've got the X-Men fighting against the Evolutionary Guard That's really the bulk of it uh, Gene, at the same time, is trying to keep the nihility, nihility bomb You know, the, the thing, the bad thing Trying to keep it from going boom, right? Sync and Sunfire, they sync up And, uh, well, we get to hear about how much cooler and more powerful Sync is Than pretty much everybody else on the team He even manages to take Luminous's powers Which, um, when the evolutionary realizes this He kind of snaps his fingers and takes those powers away The fight rages on until Sync calls for everyone to stand down here You see, the evolutionary says he'll leave He'll call off his, uh, his evolutionary guard here But only if he can get a blood sample from Sync. Now, it's worth noting, uh, Cyclops, he's in a headlock here by a great big, like, beast of some sort. I think it's an elephant beast. And he's doing the whole, like, I got you right where I want you sort of shtick. So, um, yeah, I guess he's still the stupid sitcom dad for now. Uh, Sink has Laura prick his finger with her claws, which looks a bit more intimate and romantic than it probably ought to. Though maybe I'm projecting because, you know, we do know about their history here. And, you know, I am not here to kink shame anybody. Anyway... The the blood is drawn on his finger, he flicks that drop of blood at the evolutionary, who takes it, and everybody stands down. Gene takes this opportunity to ask a few questions about Cordyceps Jones. The evolutionary knows him, of course, and tells the team that they can find this disgusting fungus alien on Game World. From here, the evolutionary and his crew jam out, leaving the X-Men to get another invite from the locals. And I feel like this is, um... Both laying it on a bit thick that the X-Men are like the people's heroes And also, uh, maybe a bit, um, I don't know, would the term be patronizing? Uh, The locals here all seem like very, very simple farm folk Um, In any event, the X-Men are invited to eat with them Just like last issue with the barbecue Next up, it's an info page, and it's uh, the rare illustrated info page Here we get a couple of panels uh, And it's more of the uh, gene and evolutionary psychic chat During which uh, the evolutionary makes several points here Uh, He warns that the mutants are uh, maybe thinking on too grand a scale here Uh, Maybe too big a scale to see what might be coming next Something that might just slip under the radar We also learn that he isn't the biggest fan of Game World And uh, Game World, he says, is, quote, the natural progression of Mojo World Which, uh, I guess, uh, I guess maybe if we squint And uh, cordyceps, uh, perhaps due to his fungal nature, can be many at once So, uh, old Jones ain't uh, just one disgusting fungus fellow He might be many disgusting fungus fellows Uh, Back to comics, and the people's heroes are all taking selfies with the locals Uh, Jean and Scott are outside discussing the plot a little bit more They engage in a psychic game of rock-paper-scissors To see which one of them is going to check into Game World And uh, Jean wins, Scott accuses her of cheating I think this is supposed to come across as playful, but... Eh, it doesn't quite stick that landing for me. Our scene shifts, and here's where things really pick up. Uh, we get Fei Long and Henry Peter Gyrick. Now, Fei Long, if you recall, is the scientist we met back in Issue 1. I believe he opened the issue. And he's the fellow who had devoted his life to trying to, uh... I don't know if it was to terraform Mars, but just to make Mars a livable place. Only to have the mutant swoop in and do it over a dinner, right? Anyway... He wants to join Orcus or be their martyr And so he's going to try to go on Mars Oh, and he he says uh, survive the experience Which is kind of up there with, uh, like, to me, my X-Men In terms of overused X-isms for me Our scene then shifts to Coney Island And here's another, I don't know if I want to call it a shoe drop I think it's intended to be a shoe drop But we'll talk about that more on the other side Uh, We're in Coney Island Where Ben Urich is given a rain-soaked folder by Dr. Stasis He opens it to find some more proof that mutant resurrection is a thing It's the information on Cyclops' death, the broken visor and whatnot We saw um, Stasis looking at that last issue, I believe Stasis then gives us a Cyclops was right Which, hey, there's another line that might be gaining on Survive the Experience and To Me Uh, Anyway, Stasis looks forward to reading Urich's next piece And that's where we leave it Next time out, uh, it's all about the onslaught revelation And uh, I am definitely looking forward to that But for now, let's talk about the flagship Now, for the most part, I dug it I really dug it I'm I'm certainly, I mentioned this, I think, the first couple of times we talked about this book I'm getting these, like, big-time Morrison JLA vibes, right? Heavy on action Characterization is there, but it's kind of taking a backseat This is much more straightforward stuff Um, And in... This family of books that we have here With the uh, the post-Hox Pox stuff um, The High Concepts Are kind of I don't know, they're kind of dripping into Everything, right? Everything is kind of predicated on the High Concept, whereas this Is kind of putting the High Concept Stuff, I don't want to say on the back burner Because it's still there, right? It's still there, but It, uh, it doesn't insist Upon itself. This is very much Straightforward su- super heroics and uh, it's funny I was talking to a buddy of mine, uh, my buddy Dave uh, earlier today actually and he had uh, he had listened to a random episode of X Lapsed uh, just trying to see what's going on. It's been ages since he's uh, since he's looked at an X book he is very much x lapsed himself and he was listening to an episode about uh, marauders and <laughs> he said that he heard me talking about how. Uh, You know, Sebastian Shaw killed Kitty They didn't know if Kitty was a mutant All the resurrection stuff And he was just completely lost And while here, this volume of X-Men is still, you know, part of that story It is far easier to read It's a little bit more linearly told Of course, there are things that uh, A new reader coming in with issue 1 of volume 6 Will be like, wait, what in the hell am I reading? But I feel like, and I mean I'm assuming here, because I, I... Really can't put myself into the role of a new reader at this point But if you were a new reader And you picked up any of the books I think this one might be the quickest To be able to understand and follow You know, if, uh, if, if that's making any sense here So yeah, it is a uh, straightforward superheroics. Nothing wrong with that uh, Like I said at the start of the show though Is it perfect? No, no, it sure is not perfect here I feel like the story really picked up After the fight scene you know, once the fight was out of the way and we were able to go to the uh, to the darkened rooms and the uh, the rainy uh, boardwalk of Coney Island, I feel like that's really where the story picked up for me. Um, the deal with uh, Stasis and Uric, we'll, we'll we'll talk a little bit more about that, but it felt important. You know, it felt like uh, maybe like the whole point of reading the issue was for that here, where the big brawl between the Evolutionaries and the X Men was kind of the uh, the dressing. You know, it's kind of what's going to bring you into it Because, I mean, like, in moderation, who doesn't love just a big brawl? Especially when it's drawn by someone like Pepe Larraz, which is just fantastic But, I mean, the, the back end here was uh, was the strongest part for me But let's talk about it Let's talk about it here um, Stasis and Jurek here The whole thing is about discovering Or maybe not so much discovering, but the assumption. That there's something to this Mutant Resurrection thing We did see Ben Urich asking questions about Jumbo Carnation back in the first issue He was there on the scene when Jumbo died Uh, He saw his body at the morgue And, uh, well, lo and behold, Jumbo Carnation is back And he's making all the outfits for the gala He's making all the costumes for the elected X-Men How could this be? Right? How could this be? He uh, He starts sniffing around here Dr. Stasis comes in, he's like, hey, by the way, I like the work you're doing, and here's a little bit more you can uh, chew on here. And he shows him the Cyclops information. Now, an observation I made during our X-Men Green conversation was that the ideas that are raised and the concepts that are kind of put before us, they work in a vacuum, right? And uh, I don't know if that's just something about Duggan's writing style that I've missed up to this point. Whereas in that book, it's like, sure, you know, pollution and... uh, Climate change, stuff like that That's, that's important stuff that uh, should be addressed But we're in the fantastical Marvel Universe Where our, some of our good guys are the same people Who literally tried to destroy the planet Obliterate it, right? So what's important and what's not? Where, where are things on the list of priorities? The Marvel Universe, the Marvel Earth Is invaded by aliens every third day So maybe a turtle choking on a shopping bag Isn't the most important thing in the world Of course, we get what they're going for, right? We understand it, we can appreciate it. We may not appreciate the finger-wagging and the assumption that we're all awful people and none of us care about the planet, but uh, we can understand it. So let's talk about Mutant Resurrection. First, why is this news? Like, really, why is this news? This is, again, the fantastical Marvel Universe. Every single Marvel hero has died and come back multiple times. Uh, Even, let's take the heroes out of the equation. How many times do we think a villain dies and they come back (laughs) numerous times? This should just be more of that. Like, where were the news reports on, you uh, you know, insert character here coming back to life? Why is this any different? I mean, sure, we have the context here that it's an entire nation of people who are doing this, but that doesn't really negate the fact that, it doesn't matter what island or what country you're living in If you're a, a hero that dies, you're, you're coming back pretty soon, you know This, of course, is a little bit more structured And again, if we put it in a vacuum If we take out the fact that every Avenger has died several times Everybody in the Fantastic Four has died Everybody in every team has died If we take that out of the equation, sure This is a pretty monumental uh, discovery Unfortunately, again, this is the fantastical Marvel Universe It's hard for us to uh, to do that It's hard for us to... You know, we're like in a situation here Where like two things can't be true at the same time You know, resurrection, coming back to life in the Marvel Universe Can't be no big deal and a huge deal at the same time So, I don't know I, You know, I can appreciate it for what it is You know, of course we've been waiting for this shoe to drop For quite a while here Where everybody finds out about Mutant Resurrection But... At the end of the day, you know, if we if we look at the other heroes, if we look at villains, people who've come back to life, I mean, I mean they're killing Doctor Strange right now. We've got the death of Doctor Strange as a as a big crossover event. And, I mean, does is is there anybody out there who thinks he's gone forever? Of course not. Of course not. But we'll just take that as it comes, I guess. Uh, we're, we're only going to be covering one issue with that anyway, so we won't worry about that death. But, I mean, I hope my, my point is well taken here. Death, resurrection... Rendered meaningless even before the resurrection protocols. So this is a little bit, uh, a little bit spotty for me. Speaking of spotty, um, Cyclops as the stupid sitcom dad. I was hoping that was a Hickman-only thing. <laughs> I was hoping that was gonna go away. But uh, you know, him in a headlock, saying, "Oh, I got you right where I want you." Or when one of the evolutionary's critters attack, and it's a giant elephant man. He's like, "Oh, the X-Men love elephants." It's like Is this like Is he Bob Saget Is this an episode of Full House Is there a laugh track I, mean, I, I just don't get it And finally The one last thing I want to discuss About this issue Is uh, that And I don't know If this is because We're coming straight From X-Men Green Into this issue But uh, The planet preachiness is, is a bit much here I do believe That we should all Do our part To you know, protect the planet Do whatever we can To make it a Cleaner Better More sustainable place And I'm going to go out on a limb and say that most of the people listening and reading this book feel the same way You know, some of us may be a little bit more proactive than the other But I don't think anyone wants the planet to to perish I don't think anyone is, like, you know, dumping sewage onto their lawn to try to, you know, hasten the collapse of the environment So why are we being spoken to like we are? Like, really, who are these lines being written for? Are they being written for the folks who don't care about the environment just to kind of shame them a little bit? Or is it for the folks who are going to, like, yes, queen, we're, we're, you know, we're getting those bad people? I, I really don't understand because I think, for the most part, uh, many of us are responsible global citizens, as I said during the X-Men Green episode. This feels very preachy to the choir, and it's not brave, it's not bold, it's not incendiary, it's just, I don't know, kind of, uh, kind of annoying in my opinion. Overall, I think this was a fine issue here. I'm definitely enjoying it more as a whole than I did the Hickman volume, because it just feels like it's got a direction, it's got a purpose. It no longer reads to me like an issue of X-Men Unlimited. You know, the old X-Men Unlimited. I guess guess the new X-Men Unlimited, too, because that does feel a little bit aimless as well. But uh, definitely worth your time checking out here. Um, And I mean, I'm a guy who really does not care about the high evolutionary, and I still found this to be... A highly entertaining issue, and I think you will as well. But uh, that's all i got to say about this issue. Let's hop into the mailbag here. It's a very short mailbag here. One letter from our friend Peter. And he's got two points about The Trial of Magneto, number two. Point uno, he says, I can't believe neither the Avengers nor the X-Men don't already have a fully formed plan on how to take Magneto down. Excellent point. Excellent point, excellent point. And, I mean, we can go back to the uh, to the 90s, where Xavier had protocols on, like, everybody. So it should stand to reason that, uh, I mean, despite the fact that we are playing it as though we are one nation under Kekoa right now, where everybody, you know, all mutants are welcome, all mutants can be trusted, I feel like maybe there should be protocols in place, <laughs> just in case... A a Magneto or an Apocalypse or a Mr. Sinister or a Mystique or any of the baddies go bad again. There should be a plan. There certainly should be a plan. There should be a failsafe. There should be something in place to avoid what happened here during this issue. And I mean, the Avengers, they should definitely. I mean, the trust the Avengers have in the X Men right now is nebulous at best. You know, that one of their number, Scarlet Witch, just died on Krakoa. Surely. Even the most trusted of X-Men won't be trusted quite so much right now So, uh, yeah, you kind of should go in there to have a plan Um, It's not like... I mean, we saw in in X-Factor number 10 Wanda dies, and the first thing anybody said is, we gotta find Magneto You know, this wasn't like a big revelation That, oh, maybe Magneto's behind this It was pretty much on everybody's mind and maybe that's maybe that's the fault of uh, solicits <laughs> You know, maybe we just Maybe it's something that we kind of affected into the scene But I mean, Wolverine said we gotta find Magneto So you'd almost assume that someone like a Captain America or an Iron Man would be like Huh, maybe, I mean Iron Man came with his you know, non-ferrous armor <laughs> So he knew something might be up But they still didn't have a plan They still didn't have a plan at all uh, now, back to Peter. His point dose is the accusation against Magneto, Magneto's attack, the dialogue, the relationships, the plot beats, everything in this issue felt forced. And, well, um, as much as I hate to do it, I, I, I'd have to agree. Uh, a lot of this did feel forced. I don't put any of the blame for that on uh, Leia Williams, uh, because I get the feeling that this is being written not by committee so much, but with... With certain beats that need to be um, put in the forefront You know, uh, this is definitely a, an assignment Where certain things need to be touched on Certain things need to be explained Certain things need to be fleshed out And they need to be done in a very particular way Which does not give the creator And again, I don't have any insider information here But if we were to compare this The Trial of Magneto To Leia Williams' earlier work in the X-Books here on things like X Factor, and I mean even going back to like Gwenpool. This feels far more regimented, rigid, you know, wherein there isn't a whole lot of wiggle room. There are points that need to be raised, and if she's lucky enough to get a few pages to put in any kind of exposition or characterization, then that's just the you know, the sprinkles on the Sunday. It's not really what the story is all about. I will say that this issue didn't feel quite as angry as the first issue did, and um I don't know if that was actually real or not, <laughs> but I, the way I read the first issue of The Trial of Magneto, um, I don't want to say it was petulant, because it wasn't. It wasn't really to that extent, but it did feel a little angry. <laughs> it did feel a little annoyed. With the second issue, um, I don't know, maybe it was all out of the system at that point. It just it didn't feel the same way. But at the same time, like you mentioned, everything felt very, very rigid. Everything had a purpose... And there wasn't a whole lot of wiggle room to uh, to expand on on certain things we might have wanted to see expanded. Thank you so much for sharing your thoughts on that issue. I'm definitely looking forward to seeing how we all receive uh, the rest of it here. It's going to be some interesting times, I think. Uh, when by the time we get to January, uh, it's who knows what this uh, landscape's going to look like. It could be uh, very interesting. It could. Could be a letdown, who knows? But uh, let's uh, let's move on to some shout-outs here. This is a shortened shout-out segment here because uh, well it's sometimes harder to get that engagement on the weekends here. So uh, over on Twitter I want to thank uh, Dave Schultz, Billy D, Joe Crawford and Wayne Burroughs for helping to uh, you know expand the awareness of this little program and spread the word. Over on Facebook, I want to thank Walt Nealon, Jesse Young, Jeremiah, Pat Sampson, Corbin Owens, and Billy D. Thank you all so much for all your help. And while I'm thanking folks, let's hop into the patrons over at patreon.com slash xlapsed. I want to thank Andrew Franklin, Ed Moore, Walt Nealon, Jeremiah, Jason Colby, The Scary Stuff Podcast, Jesse DeYoung, Damian, Peter McPherson, and Mark Jagger. Thank you all so much for your support and for believing in me. Now let's close out the show portion, the X-Labs portion of the program, yeah. with a look at this week in X. I mentioned last time that I found the Marvel Unlimited release schedule. So as you're listening to this program, we got three new books that we've covered that are now uh, been dropped on the app. And it's kind of one of them uh, sandwich weeks here. <laughs> we've got Excalibur number 22, we got Way of X number 4, and we've got Jesse DeYoung's favorite issue of X-Corp, X-Corp number 3. So we got two teenies and one sigh So that's a little bit of an uneven week Speaking of uneven weeks here There's only one X-Book on the shelves this Wednesday And, uh, I mean, who knows if it'll actually arrive in one piece From a Penguin Random House But if it does, the book on shelves will be X-Men The Trial of Magneto number 3 All five covers of it Ugh. And um, for completionists, for ex-completionists, I suppose We do have Phoenix Song Echo number 1 which also has five covers. I'm not sure if we're gonna cover that on the show. I'm gonna, I'm ordering it. Of course, I do have it on its way. If you know, if it does show up in one piece, and uh, we will take a look at it and decide from there if it's something we need to uh, cover. I know for sure we're gonna be covering Echo Number Two because uh, the X Men are on the cover. So I'm gonna assume that the X Men are gonna be part of the story, at least in some small part. But uh, for the first issue, don't know yet. We'll uh, play it by ear and decide as we uh, as we get closer to it. But I think that'll do it for uh, the X-related conversation for today, if uh, that's all you really want to hear. If you don't want to hear me drone on about, uh, you know, my idiot's guide to podcasting, then you're pretty safe to to shut her down right now. Um, as I mentioned last episode, I got a message on ChrisOnInfiniteEarth.com by a fellow named Brian asking for some advice on starting a podcast. And, uh, I, I you know, I I get these questions sometimes. And I usually... Well, I, I don't want to say that I ignore them or blow them off or anything, but um, my advice usually comes down to one thing, and uh, I feel like uh, that one thing is important, but there's more to it than that, so I actually put a little bit of thought into it this time, and I figured, eh, why not share this? Why not talk about my uh, philosophy as it pertains to uh, to the podcasting art form and uh, medium, I suppose, and... I'm absolutely no expert by any definition of the word. I am not an expert. I do have a fair amount of experience. You know, I've been doing this for about six years now, for the past year. Plus, I've been doing it every single day. So I feel like I have experience. Um, And and a lot of my advice is going to be uh, do as I say, not as I do. Because if you're modeling your... I can't call it a career, but if you're uh, if you're modeling your method after what I do, you're doing it wrong, because I'm most definitely doing it wrong. I know the things you're supposed to do. I know the things that can help, but for whatever reason, it's kind of like a mental block for me personally. I just can't do it. But that said, over the past, you know, uh, six years, I've seen shows come. I've seen shows go. I've been part of shows that have come and go, so... I feel like I might have at least a point of view Not an expert point of view Or uh, even an educated point of view But I do have a little bit of experience I've seen things You know, I've uh, maybe gained some insight Through osmosis And so, if uh, you'll indulge me And uh, I i hope Brian's listening I don't, I don't know if Brian's ever listened to the show Which is something, one of the points we'll get to As we work our way through But uh, I hope he's listening And I hope this is of some sort of help Um... Uh, this isn't really a numbered thing This isn't like my top 10, my top whatever It really isn't terribly structured So I'm probably going to wind up babbling Even more than I usually do when I'm using a script This is just going to be really off the cuff And I do have some bullets that I have, of points that I do want to touch on But this is going to be highly unstructured And I'm basically just going to go with the flow here And see where we get to Now I mentioned I usually have one rule for podcasting And if you've been listening to... Any of the shows that I've done over the past several years It'll probably come as no surprise My main rule is to be passionate Be passionate about what you're choosing to discuss Because if you're not passionate about it What's the point? Like, why are you doing it? And we're going to get into things like Why are you doing it a little bit later on down the line here But you must be passionate about what you're You don't need to be knowledgeable I mean, knowledgeable, of course, is is important, Right? But to me, passion trumps knowledge, because knowledge is something you can get. Knowledge is something you can, you can procure, especially if you're working on a project. If you're deep diving on something that you want to know more about, knowledge is going to come. Whether you want it to or not, you can't avoid it. You're going to learn things. You're going to pick things up. You're going to become more knowledgeable about the subject. But without the passion, there's no point. Now I talk about comic books, something I'm very passionate about. Comics is a is a hobby that is highly exploitable. It's one that is highly usurpable. Uh, we're easy marks, <laughs> this is the thing here. And I can't speak to other genres or other uh, subject matters like music or movies or, or you know high literature, but as far as comics are concerned. Uh, we're easy, to, uh, we're easy to intrude upon and easy to usurp But if you have the trained ear, and I'm sure you all do You know when the passion's real You know when the passion is put on, right? And it does make a difference It absolutely makes a difference If you're listening to someone who doesn't seem to care about what they're talking about It's pretty clear It's pretty clear if it's just a recitation of facts and I mean we're going to get into facts in a little bit here But have an intrinsic passion For the subject that you have chosen to discuss That's my biggest rule right there Not even so much a rule, but my biggest piece of advice Also, have a plan And this, I mean, goes even further out than just podcasting This could be any sort of creative endeavor You need to have a plan And I mean, you might have the greatest idea in the world I'm sure your your show is going to be great You've got the show you want to do You have the subject matter you're passionate about You have value you want to add to the community To to the listenership To the readers, to the viewers, whatever It's going to be great But that brings us to the challenging part You actually have to do it You know, you have to do it (laughs) You have to plan to do As creative people Something creative people like to do, and I can only speak for myself here, but I've I've also observed this throughout various creative communities. We like to tell. We like to say what we're gonna do. We like to talk about what we have planned. You see, we have a plan to talk about our plan. We don't always have a plan to follow through on that plan, and I'm guilty of that. I'm just as guilty of that as anybody else here. I've promoted shows that I was gonna do. I've promoted articles that I was gonna write. I mean, if you take a deep dive through the uh, the Chris and Reggie feed, you're gonna see a lot of abandoned projects, a lot of things that I started full of P and V. Right, I was just all about it. Had a great idea, something I was sure was gonna maybe not so much take off, but it was gonna be engaging, something that was gonna be fun to discuss, and there would be, uh, you know, a kinetic energy between me and the listeners or the readers, and it was just gonna be great. And it kind of wasn't You know, uh, maybe I lost the passion for it Maybe I set my expectations too high Which is something we're going to discuss in a minute But the point of it is I planned to plan I didn't plan to do And that's not the worst thing in the world, right? We're hobbyists, first and foremost But, and take it from me It doesn't take long for folks to uh, to lose confidence in you Pod fading is a thing It's a thing I didn't know about But it is a thing that exists So um, it doesn't take long for people to uh, forget about you This is a very, very crowded field And we'll talk a little bit about that as we go along as well But you need to understand that uh, a lot of times And it's nothing personal uh, Out of sight, out of mind, right? If you're not there, it's just, okay, next I got a car ride ahead of me What am I going to listen to? And uh, there's certainly no scarcity of podcasts Even in your niche My next piece of advice is to be consistent Okay, so you have your show, it's a great idea you have You're passionate about it, something you care about You have a plan, you're going to launch on a certain day You're going to hit the ground running, you're off to the races Now you have to just maintain, you have to be consistent You have to be there when people expect you to be there Whether that's every month, whether it's every two months, every week, twice a week, every day It's whatever you want it to be but once you set that, you need to be consistent. Of course, life will get in the way. Life has a habit of doing that at the most inopportune times. But if you build and establish a pattern of behavior wherein you are consistent, it's a sign that you are taking this hobby seriously and that you respect your listeners' time and uh, you you appreciate their loyalty and their listenership. So you got to be consistent. What you also got to be is yourself. And what I mean by that is, uh, don't affect a personality that isn't your own when you're on the air. Like, you know, don't hit record and then go, hey, cats and kittens, yada, yada, yada. It's, I, I don't feel like that's what people want to hear. I, again, I, my instincts could be completely wrong, but um, you got to be yourself. I feel like being genuine, being honest is a huge part of the relationship between podcaster and listener here. And I've said this before during, during X-Lapsed here If you're going to offer me the opportunity to reside in your ear for any period of time The very least I can do is be honest I'm not going to slip into a persona So like, if you meet me on the street, or if you meet me anywhere Chances are, the first thing I'm going to say to you is Hey, how's it going? <laughs> Which, I mean, that's how I start every show And when we part company, I'm probably going to say, see ya like I say at the end of every show. I mean, that's not fake. Is it the most professional thing in the world? No, hell no. Is it the most engaging thing in the world? No, no. Is it something that's unique to me? Not really, but it's something I do. And I mean, I consider podcasting to be a more intimate medium than just you know regular old radio here. This is a uh, very much a one-to-one. You know, it's like we're, we're having a conversation face-to-face. So I, I need to be me. You know, and and another thing, you know, you don't apologize for being you. This is a trap that I've fallen into many times, and I'm sure I'll continue to. Where, you know, you might have an opinion, and you feel like you need to apologize for it. I've done that. I'll probably do it again. Um, I've got a somewhat thick accent at times. I say um every third word. Not the most polished guy. <laughs> Not the most polished presenter or orator speaker. I. Mispronounce words, I probably use a lot of them incorrectly. Maybe that's part of my charm, maybe it's something that really annoys everybody, but it's me, and the amount of effort I would have to put into changing that would change it from being me, right? It would make me something I'm not. I'm not polished, I'm not professional. I mean, if you were to look at the screen that I'm recording on right now, you will see that I've had to stop this recording probably over a hundred times. And that's because I misspoke. Or I stammered, or my uh, my mouth got dry, or I had to clear my throat. I mean, I'm not, yeah, you know, I'm not a polished podcaster, which is a personal limitation of mine that I've had to kind of uh, begrudgingly accept. You know, another piece of advice: don't phone it in. Don't phone it in because uh, your listeners will know, and that's something I'm also guilty of. I mean, I've got over 750 episodes at the uh, at the channel, so I mean. You gotta assume that it might stand to reason that not every single one of them is gonna is gonna rock my socks as a presenter I was just lucky that for most of them I had a really good dancing partner I'd have a Reggie or a Chris Bailey or, or anybody who was, you know, helping me out So I was able to kind of lean on them And in pretty much all those cases, if it was something that I wasn't too wowed about, it was something that they were so that kind of covered for me And I would like to think that there were you know, Things that I brought a little bit extra to Things that I was very passionate about That perhaps whoever I was partnered with At the time wasn't so uh, keen on But hopefully I was able To get them through the same way They got me through And of course this isn't to say love what you do every single time We talked about consistency Sometimes with consistency Comes the fact that This is sometimes a chore And there's nothing wrong with that But it is your job to make sure that the listener doesn't pick up on that You know, we talk about books that I really dislike on the show on occasion And it's not so much a chore that I'm putting out a show about them It's more the chore that we're dealing with some rougher than usual subject matter But the fact that we're doing the show should never come across to the listener as though it's a chore That is something you don't want to be doing I always go back to uh, one of my first shows, one of my favorite shows uh, of all time, The Uncanny X-Cast, that I uh, listened to for many, many years. Top quality show. I always enjoyed it. But the fact was, the two hosts of the show, Rob and Brian, were very, very busy dudes. Very busy dudes who had lives, had families, had... uh, uh, One of them went back for his master's degree during the show. Um, They had multiple children throughout the show. They were busy guys, so the show wasn't always top priority, and and really, you know, it shouldn't have been. It shouldn't have been because life happens, and family, of course, comes first, but they had such a loyal following who just kept asking, when's the next show, when's the next show, when's the next show, that they would put out a show, and you could tell that it was just like, okay, we have to do this. You know, this is something we have to do because X amount of people asked us for it, and X amount of people are waiting for it, and... It made you feel kind of guilty for listening to it And I mean, that might just be me But I felt like, man, it's like we're, we're making these guys take time away from their families To do this when clearly, I mean, this isn't their top priority right now So do you take a show that uh, their heart really isn't in Or do you wait until they have actual free time, a passion, and a readiness To give a, you know, a classic style episode I remember listening to one episode where they were just like uh, Okay, let's get through the reviews so we can get out of here And I was like, ah, you know, I don't want to hear that (laughs) And again, nothing against them, they're busy guys They've got stuff going on in their life But I don't think you ever want to make your audience feel as though they're putting you out Right Now for a big um, (laughs) do-as-I-say-not-as-I-do piece of advice here Don't overdo it Uh, (laughs) Coming from me, that is uh, probably uh, silly to hear Um but really, you have to understand that unless you're sponsored or have a signed, you know, content-related contract, there are no rules here. You know, I mean, take it a step further. I'm a firm believer that in this world, there's no such thing as rules to begin with, just things that we agree to do. <laughs> you know, don't overdo it. Don't put too much on your plate. Don't build up an expectation that... Um, that you need to fill a certain uh, quota, or you need to meet certain deadlines, especially when they are rigid, like like mine have been. Like I said, if you're if you're modeling your hobby progression through me, uh, aim higher <laughs> because I don't do things right. I do things the way I do things. I I, I really couldn't even tell you why. Um, a lot of it has to do with just my. My nature, I guess, my obsessive nature, where it takes a lot for me to get motivated. You know, when I'm when I was thinking about doing this show, when I was thinking about doing a blog, it was something that it had to it was like I built up a dam, right? And a l- whole lot of water built up behind it until it finally burst. And when it burst, I was just brimming with passion and ideas, and I just wanted to just be out there, get out there, do the thing, get after it and uh then you establish unwittingly the pattern, the schedule, and then you get to the point where it's like, well, I've done this many uh do i do I stop now or do i do I keep going? It's a toughie to do every day. I've seen people try doing every day. I've had people reach out to me about doing every day, and I always advise against it. I always say that you know you know life will get in the way, and it will become a chore and sometimes you're you're well most of the time you're not going to get the reward you're not going to get the reward i mean i think one of the kinder things that i've been told by someone who doesn't really engage with my stuff is that they feel comfortable when they see my stuff pop up on social media you know they they find what i do comfortable because i'm always there and uh it's something that a Reggie and I used to compare to Superman and the Fantastic 4. And there was a you know kind of a joke where it's like people love that Superman is there. People love that the Fantastic 4 are there. They're never going to top the sales charts at least not without a stunt, you know, and if anything changes about them people get upset about it or if they go away for a minute they get upset about it. But people like the comfort. And yeah, that's something that I've been told before, which a double-edged sword, of course, because, like, you feel like, I don't know, you're putting in a lot of time, (laughs) and just for uh, someone to be like, ah, he's, he's still alive, he's still kicking, but, I mean, the point that I'm trying to get at here is don't overdo it, don't overload yourself, don't make this a job, which, again, do as I say, not as I do, because, you know, I have a job, I have school, I have a family, I hit the gym for an hour a day, I mean, it's this is something I have to actually work to fit in, and uh, it's, it's not for everybody. I'm a very peculiar case. I feel like I'm an outlier. So if you try to do it too rigid, uh, you, you might be setting yourself up. So don't overdo it. Another thing, while on that subject, is pay attention to your mental health. And I've said it before, almost to the point of parody, but um, this can be very lonely. <laughs> Content creation... Uh, podcasting. Uh, I mean, I'm in a room right now, talking into a microphone. I'm by myself. You know, um, I wrote a script by myself. I'm in here talking to myself. It's it's lonely. It could be very very lonely. And um, well, to go off into the weeds a little bit here, if you have a tendency toward uh, anxiety or paranoia, this uh, this is a toughie. You can feel very very alone, even when you're not. And, um... Well, I I wasn't planning on going down this road, necessarily But uh, some some real talk here, you know You may start seeing things that aren't there And I'm not talking about hallucinations I'm talking about, like, uh, taking a lot of things personally And, um... I'll leave it at that I'll leave it at that here Um, I can expand upon that if anybody wants me to Uh, It's a, a little deep into the weeds But, um... Yeah, just pay attention to your uh, to your mental health here. Don't rob yourself of sleep. Again, another do as I say, not as I do sort of thing. Because you need sleep. You need to be you need to be sharp-minded. You need to be rested. You need to be able to you know kick ass on the mic, right? You need to be able to deliver. Try and be more social. Definitely try and be more social. We are social creatures, right? Uh, I think this year that we just uh, survived kinda made that more clear than. We may have thought, you know Being isolated is uh, very much A real part of uh, the new normal That we're in And certainly to an extent That's out of our control But in other ways it's not You know, we can still be social If we put in the effort If we choose to be And um, again, do as I say, not as I do I have a tendency to stay to myself And that's not a good thing Especially when you're trying to be Or to Create A feeling of community So uh, definitely just be realistic About your own mental maladies Your potential mental maladies Your tendencies, your history Things that may have I hate using the word trigger But uh, it's, it's appropriate here Things that have triggered you Things that have triggered reactions in you Things that have triggered sadness in you Know what those are Identify them And don't fall into the trap don't get paranoid, don't get angry you know, Talk to people, be social Now while on the subject of realizing that there, there is a community out there Don't compare yourself to them Don't compare yourself to other shows Sure, you might know that you put in so much work You know that you put in so many hours You you know pound that pavement trying to get these, uh, these words spewed into a microphone You're just working your ass off And you're putting out an awesome show An awesome product And you're contributing to to the field To the hobby, to the community You're doing great work Don't compare yourself to others Because that is a killer Because, you know, other shows out there might get lucky You know, they may be discovered by an influencer Who shares their work And then suddenly, boom, they blow up overnight Other shows might yeah. Let's be honest, kiss the right asses They might tag the right people. They might know the game a little bit better than you, or just be more willing to play the game than you. And, well, there's the harder one to swallow. Um, We don't like to think about this, but it's true. There are other shows out there that just plain might be better than yours. That's just a fact of life. You know, you're not going to be the best at everything. You might be the best at some things, but you're not going to be the best at everything. You need to... Understand that and appreciate that. Um, and let it sink in to tell you that you don't need to be number one. Because there will only ever be not one number one, right? Everybody else is, uh, is just playing for second. That's not to say don't try to be the best that you can be. But just understand that there's always going to be shows out there that are going to edge you out. It's a very, very crowded hobby. It's a, Even the niche of a niche of a niche that we're in, in comics... Very crowded There are a lot of very very talented Passionate and connected People in this niche And I mean that's a trap I fell into You know I would look on, uh, on social media And I'd see people put out, a, put out a show And within minutes 30 replies Hundreds of likes It's like w- what are they doing that I'm not doing You know and then you start to compare yourself And then you put all the hours into your show And you might get a like or two And you, you let that just get to your head you let that just really just beat the hell out of you, and you start questioning everything, and you start feeling like what you do isn't worth it, which, I mean, that's, you know, that's part of the problem of not doing something intrinsically all the time. When you treat something as though it's something you have to do, and you don't get that reward, you don't get that validation, then it, it stings a little bit more, because... Not only are you not getting the pats on the back you think you deserve, but you also you also engaged in something that maybe wasn't wasn't intrinsic. It wasn't something that you were. It didn't roll off the tongue for you. It wasn't easy. It was something you struggled to get through, and still, you you don't, just don't measure up. And here's a little bit more real talk. Um, going back about a year now, I had uh, closed down my uh, Twitter account. I closed it down out of uh, petulance and uh, immaturity, and uh, just an inability to kind of reconcile where I where I stood. I felt like I should be further along than I than I was. And I mean, who's really to say where anybody belongs? I, I think that if we judge ourselves, it's really uh, it's futile. I mean, it's it's a fool's game to try to say where you think you should be. It's kind of like You know, when you get that, uh, review at work, at your job, and, uh, you know, you're asked, like, what you think you're worth, and nobody's ever gonna say, I'm worth what I'm being paid. Everybody thinks they're worth more than they're being paid. Otherwise, I mean, nobody's gonna say less, for sure, but I think everybody sees themselves as being a little bit further along, or they should be a little bit further along than they are, and I fell into that trap. I got really up my own ass about it, and, uh... Out of petulance and out of a, well, a confusion over whether or not indifference really is indifference. You know, you put something out there, and if people don't engage with it, whether it be a show, an article, or whatever, you start to feel like nobody cares. But that's not true. That isn't true because there is such a thing as as passive engagement. I mean, it's kind of an oxymoron When you think about it But I mean, as a concept, it exists People do engage with your stuff They're just not always going to let you know they do it We're going to get a little bit deeper into that As as we move along here But I was taking it to heart I was really, really taking it to heart So I closed down my account And I even came very close to shutting down uh, Chrisandreggie.podbean.com You know, I had the screen up Where it was going to close it down And I, I... yeah, I, I kept it up I kept it up and I kept putting out content I just had the social media area shut down Now, unfortunately, or I guess fortunately Twitter makes it very easy to come back You know, you have 30 days from the time you shut down your account To just pop back in And it's as though you never shut down the account You still have all your followers I mean, the ones that stuck around You're still following the same people you still have all your all your tweets, all your posts, everything. Everything is there. It's as though you never even left. It's just as though you just stopped using it for a couple days. So they make it very easy, too easy, to second-guess yourself if you make a decision like that. Which, I mean, we take that into August of this year. I was coming up on the one-year anniversary of X-Lapsed. And I really felt, eh, whether I'm right or not is, is really irrelevant, but I really felt as though the show should be A little bit further along than it was in as far as uh, listenership and engagement. And, uh, I mean, X-Lapsed, as a project, cost me a great deal of of my listeners. A lot of people were just—I mean, and and again, that's nobody's fault. We go from a niche of a niche into a niche of a niche of a niche of a niche by just talking about a particular run on a particular family of titles. So, sure, that's not going to reach everybody. What you're gonna get is uh, more loyal listeners, of course the, the ones that stick around are gonna be there because they want to be But stupid me couldn't see that uh, All I saw were uh, the black and white numbers And it uh, it nearly broke me To the point where it's like, okay, well I need to, I need to get out of here I need to get off these social platforms here Because, I, I mean, going back to our last point here It affected my mental health It was draining It was draining me throughout the day as I was working on the show, it was like, why am I even doing this? As I was working on, like, um, my real job, you know, it's like I couldn't stop thinking about the show and my failure. As I was trying to hang out with the wife, that would keep coming up. And, and, and even the wife was like, what, what is bothering you? Why, what is up your ass right now? And it's embarrassing to make that admission that it's like, well, it's, yeah, my, my, my comic book show. People don't care about it. It's embarrassing. But it was really starting to to drain on me here, and I was comparing myself to others, and it was just not a good scene. And so uh, rather than just shut the account down again, which would have been easy to undo, and I'm sure I would have, I just started unfollowing, like everybody, because <laughs> I figured, okay, this is going to be harder to come back from. I'm going to drop my following count down to zero, then I'll shut down the account, so then I'll have to think twice about coming back because... Basically be starting over You know, I I would have alienated All these people that I had followed It really was a line in the sand And um, as I was doing it um, A friend of mine reached out And we were talking and I got talked out of it I got talked out of it I kind of got talked off the ledge Which goes back to the last point here Be social, talk to people If you're starting to struggle With, you know, with the hobby If you're letting the hobby Kind of, kind of Ooze its way into the other aspects Of your life here That's, uh, I hate using the word toxic But it's toxic (laughs) It's not healthy And I fell into that trap here So I think I had unfollowed Like a third of the people I was following And I was talked out of You know, going all the way So I I didn't go all the way And I even sent out a message several times Saying, hey, you know, um, I kind of threw a tantrum (laughs) And I unfollowed a bunch of people So, If I unfollowed you, please let me know So, um, hey, I I guess I'll deliver that message here as well If I unfollowed you, please reach out And, uh, I mean, it wasn't anything personal It was really just me being a petulant brat Now, with that out of the way, another piece of advice here Understand what your show is And this really plays into what we just talked about Your show is not as important to anyone else as it is to you No matter how amazing it is, no matter how life-changing it is it matters more to you than it matters to pretty much anybody else. You need to understand that. It's taken me a while to understand that. <laughs> I still, I'm still not sure I do. Also, we talked about passive engagement. Don't rely on pure engagement. The way I look at it here, I've done a little bit of math here, a little bit of voodoo math, a little bit of voodoo Chris math here. I would say, at least in my experience, of your loyal listeners will never reach out to tell you anything They're not going to tell you they like your show They're not going to tell you they don't like your show They're not going to tell you that they liked a certain part of your show They listen passively I mean, we all listen to the radio or we watch TV We're not writing letters into whoever's making the TV shows We're just watching them We're, We're receiving them But as I said earlier, podcasting is a more intimate medium so I think we expect engagement, and when we compare ourselves to other shows who may get engagement, or or may get more engagement than you, let's say, or may just get regular engagement, you start to kind of feel bad about it. I'm guilty of it. It's another thing that I'm guilty of here. Just understand that passive engagement is a thing. I am guilty of that. You know, when I used to be able to listen to more and more shows, I never... I love the Uncanny X-Cast. I never wrote into the Uncanny X-Cast to tell them that. You know, is that me being a dick? <laughs> Maybe. Is it me just being someone who received content? Yeah. So don't rely on people telling you you're awesome. Just know that you are. <laughs> know that you're putting something out that's of value. Speaking of value, if your show is any good, just understand people are going to rip you off. <laughs> people will rip you off. I... um. I've listened to shows that have taken entire pages of scripts that I've written And read them on the air And delivered them themselves And, you know, part of that's cool You know, part of that's like, wow, okay I guess, I guess that left an impact Until you realize that you don't get any kind of credit for it You don't get any kind of tip of the hat for it I mean, not that in the grand scheme of things it's all that big a deal But it would have been nice to just be like, oh yeah, you know uh, Chris over at the Cosmic Treadmill or Reggie over at the Cosmic Treadmill said this And in certain situations, you know, I took it a little bit more personally because, uh, you know, I learned pretty quick in doing things like Weird Comics History that you might spend hours and hours researching for the perfect line to use in a script. And it takes you three seconds to say that line. You know, you devoted half a day to tracking down and, and getting the right citation and getting just the right verbiage. And the proof that you need to back up the sentence, and you get one sentence, maybe two, maybe two, maybe three, if you're able to kind of expand upon it or editorialize on that uh, on that citation on that point, and then to hear someone else just read your words verbatim, it's like oh, you get the needle, you know, the dagger is in there. It just really, really stinks, especially when you don't get any sort of uh, any sort of nod for it. Lucky for me, though. I had the absolute coolest partner and mentor in the world. Reggie was the coolest dude about that kind of thing. He took it as a uh, as a compliment, which at the end of the day, whether it was a legitimate compliment or not, it was still it was still a sign that somebody thought enough about what we did to to share it and perpetuate it on their own program. Reggie was able to keep me in check, you know, where I would just want to like get angry and like stew in it. Reggie was cool (laughs) The coolest, you know Um, Let's see, what else here Uh, We've talked about being social We've talked about communities Do what you can to be a part of the community An active part of the community here This is a big problem for me First, you know, I'm kind of unsocial I'm very anxiety-riddled And we'll get more into that as we move along here But uh, And I apologize for keeping you this long But I don't get to listen to other shows I'm always working on my own show when I have free time, so I'm kind of out of the loop. And I feel like to to tell someone I like their show when I when I clearly haven't listened to it. It's it, who, who gains anything from that? It might make somebody feel good for a minute, but if they ask me anything particular, I'm going to be like, Duh, I don't know, <laughs> you know. So I don't get to listen to too many other shows, if any. So um, that goes back to don't overdo it. You know, if you want to be part of the community here You need to find a balance between creation and giving back And understand that While in some ways The other shows out there are your competition For people's ears and hearts and minds, right? At the same time, they could be a wonderful asset And you can be an asset for them as well So definitely if you want to be part of the community It's... it's, you know, it's like a marriage. You got to work at it. It's not. You're not gonna ever just be welcomed in. There isn't like a uh, a secret knock or a secret handshake, as far as I know. But then again, I mean, if it's secret and they didn't tell me, I guess I wouldn't know. But I think there there needs to be effort from both sides. Unfortunately, I ain't good at that. I ain't good at that, and I also just don't have much time for it. I'm trying to be better about it, but still, it's it's a challenge for me. It really, really is. Uh, let's see, what else here Understand what failure is And don't be afraid of it Have a plan, but don't think too much <laughs> Because, uh, what is that saying there? If you're thinking, you're stinking, right? If you overthink it, you're going to It's going to show It's going to feel unnatural And it's, you know if Failure can sometimes be a self-fulfilling prophecy Especially if you're not willing to take risks Out of fear of failure Out of feel, fear of rejection that leads to my next point. Be confident. Be confident. Know that you're awesome. Know that you're adding value. Know that you're you're delivering something that people want. That people maybe not need, but they like. You know. I feel like self-depreciation has its place, but don't overdo it. Again, do as I say, not as I do. If people are listening to your show, they like you. They like you. Don't uh, don't do what I do. Don't kind of downplay that. Because I mean I don't think it serves anybody. It's a downplay it. I think I do it out of uh, out of self-preservation, out of defense, out of self-defense, where it's like, well, I know nobody's gonna care, but here's my show. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. You know, why is anybody gonna click in that click on that? You know, are they gonna do it out of pity? <laughs> I mean, have you ever listened to a show out of pity? I don't think I have. Why would you do that? you just got to understand not to be too down on yourself. Be confident. Know that you're doing something of value. Know that you're doing something that maybe not so much that nobody else can do, but they're not going to do it the same way as you. You're going to add something to the conversation. You are adding something to the hobby. You're doing something worthwhile. Now, on the subject of liking you, it's kind of a multifaceted thing because people may like you, And not care for your actual content Um, Like I said, I lost a lot of listeners A lot of regular listeners When we shifted to the X-Lapsed format I know some people hung on Just because they liked hearing me talk Which, I mean Again, being self-depreciating I can't imagine why someone would want to do that But people may like you And just not care for your content Which means that they still might listen Just not as often, you know Not all the time Conversely People may like your content, but not like you. (laughs) And that's okay. There have been times during our weird comics history days and the cosmic treadmill days where we would put out an episode and people would start talking about what we talked about, but not tag or include either one of us in the conversation. Which, I mean, I took that personally. I shouldn't have. I really shouldn't have. And if I wanted to get involved in the conversation, I could have and should have. But going back to the last point, I feared being rejected. You know, so people, people out there, it, everything is on a spectrum, right? Or perhaps a continuum rather, where you know there are people out there who may really like you and your content. There are people who may like you, hate your content, hate you, love your content, or hate you and your content. <laughs> I mean, you got those four boxes there that uh, that folks will fall into, and again, that's okay. That's okay. It's not something that you can always control. So where are we? You've got a great idea that you're passionate about. You have a plan. You're consistent. You're putting out content that you know is awesome, that you are confident in, and that you are proud of. All that's left to do is kind of be about it, right? We're pushing fear aside. We're pushing rejection aside. We're pushing fear of failure aside. Because, I mean, what is failure? Failure is another one of those things that's kind of on a spectrum. What is failure to you? I know what failure is to me, and I think it's probably different from what a lot of other people think of failure as. So you got to be about it. you got to realize that opportunities are everywhere if you're willing to get out of your own way and go for it. I do have an anecdote here. Um, Fear of rejection is huge for me. Huge. You know, uh, Facebook groups, those are a really good way to share your work. Not for me though Because I got kicked out of a group One time Once <laughs> For, for uh, spamming You know, I got kicked out of one group And it totally uh, just, just soured me on the concept It soured me on the idea Because I became afraid I became afraid of sharing my work On other groups Because I'm like Oh, they're going to kick me out I, I don't stop to think about How little people actually care about what it is that I do I take it personally They didn't see, oh, this is Chris Sheehan doing it So get this idiot out of here No, it was just like, oh, this guy's promoting You know, yeah, we don't want promoting Or maybe you need to be here for a little while Before you get the right to promote I didn't think about any of that So I, I think back to all the opportunities I might have missed out on Because I chose not to Not to take myself out of my comfort zone Um, reaching out to other shows about maybe being on a show or having someone from another show on my show or collaborating in some way. I don't do that because I'm scared of rejection. I'm scared that I'm going to be told, hey, you know, what? I I really don't care for you or your stuff. You know, you don't want to, you know, the nebulous not knowing if people care for your stuff is hard, but actually knowing they don't is a little bit harder. So out of fear of that, which I mean, it's, how often is something like that going to really happen? Is someone really going to be such a dick to tell you you suck? Probably not, but I still worry about it. I still worry about it. I feel like, you know, I am going to reach out to someone, and be like, "Hey, you want to be on my show?" And then they'll reach out to their friends and be like, "Look at this, look at this loser." You know, maybe that's just the the high school nerd in me who just never never grew up. Uh, you know, reaching out to sponsors. Reggie and I wanted to get into the sponsor game, and we did briefly, but we were both petrified of that. Neither of us were good <laughs> at that And uh, we were scared of being rejected Or I, mean, I can't really speak for Reggie But I was scared of being rejected So, I mean, I've got letters written in, in part and in full For different various sponsors Like, hey, you know, maybe this is an opportunity Yada, yada, yada And I just don't send them Because I'm scared of getting that rejection letter I personally see failure as a one-way street Once you fail... You keep going that path to further failure. I need to learn not to do not to be that way. To realize that failure is is just a hurdle and not a bear trap, right? You can still move on from failure. And that's I think back, you know, that's what is our definition of failure? Well, big part of failure is regret. And I can look back on these past several years and think about many opportunities that i missed out on many opportunities that maybe i could have done but i was too uh, too chicken to actually go through with it out of fear of failing or fear of being rejected and i mean that's that's a hard one that's not going to be an easy one for everyone to get by you got to really just you got to believe in yourself you've got to know that you're adding value you got to know that you're awesome you got to know that you know what you're doing and you got to just not give a crap about what other people think easier said than done take it from me so back to our uh, back to our skeleton here of how this works here you've got your idea you're passionate about it you're kicking ass you're doing you're consistent you're just doing great stuff here you're getting over your fears you're sharing your work every way you possibly can maybe you hit a plateau maybe it uh, you know you get some growth but it stalls out or maybe people just become comfortable with your content and it's just a maybe they start taking it for granted maybe they just understand that it's always there maybe they are part of the group that passively engages what do you do how do you reach out how do you make how do you get over that hump well as with everything there's a game you can play the game here and i mean this might be a little i don't want to say controversial or uh, provocative or anything like that but i mean there's a game to social media there's a game to content And it's easy to play, but uh, for for someone like me it's hard to actually do it You can engage in cheap heat I mean, the very nature of social media is uh, quick, you know, little bites of content Whether it be a picture, a video, a song, a a gif, whatever Engage in cheap heat, you know, uh, respond to someone with, with a funny gif Or, I mean, you could do what, in our niche, the comics niche here, uh, you could pretend you just discovered Batman and the Outsiders number one. (laughs) I mean, Batman and the Outsiders number one, it's not a hidden gem. It's, uh, you know, we see this thing almost every day. But it always gets the karma. It always gets the likes here. Jump a little bit deeper into the X-Men realm, right? Uh, You know, when I was doing the Instagram thing more often... Hardly an hour would go by without someone sharing the Jim Lee X-Men number one cover. And every time out, it would have four figure likes. Every time. And it was a different post. <laughs> I just didn't understand it. It's cheap heat. It's cheap heat. It's something that people will instinctively just see, engage with, and, and, you know, be all about it. It's hard for me to do that sort of thing. I've done it a couple times, and I always feel a little bit, uh, a little bit iffy. After I do it, you can engage with uh, something that uh, we in the biz might refer to as uh, <clears throat> circle jerking. Now, there's definitely a definition to that, but um, to me, it's one of those things that you, you kind of know what it is when you see it. <laughs> it's hard to really put into words, but when you see it, you know it. Another thing you can do is... Uh, Make a promo for your show and do an ad exchange. You could do an ad exchange with other shows. Here, you can play their promos on your show, put your promo on their show. Hope for the best. That's another one that I had a problem doing uh, for a few reasons. Uh, first of all, I'm not nearly creative enough to make <laughs> to make a promo for anything that I've done. Second, I would listen to shows that would go to their you know their ad reads or their promos. And it would be like ten minutes of uh, of trailers for other shows, and it was just like, in moderation, that's great. You know, in moderation, I think it's it's really really a smart play. But when you're trying to cram in like eight or nine at once, and then you go back to the regular show, and then you send it back to more promos, it just it feels it feels kind of like a chore. So, I mean, that's a a toughie for me. But, I mean, for all I know, that might be the missing piece, right? Um, I really couldn't say. Um, Another thing you can do, and this is probably... I don't know, I think I'd even put this below the cheap heat stuff, is uh, regurgitate the news. You can react to trailers, to drama in the industry, to solicits. You know, you could hop on Twitter or Facebook at 12.01 a.m. on Wednesday and spoil every single thing that comes out. I mean, unfortunately, they're... There is a place for that in the uh, in the podcasting game, the comics podcasting game, and I mean this is all very very th- this advice, if I can even call it that, that I'm giving is uh, very very tunnel visioned, right? It's only to this. I, I really can't speak to any other sort of genres or any sort of uh, other interests, uh, probably because I'm a very one dimensional person. Now uh, let's let's wrap up here. I'm uh, I'm sorry I'm taking up so much of your time here, but. You really, what it comes down to Is you have to ask yourself why you're doing it And I mean, this goes to Brian If he's listening I I talked about the passive passive engagement I've never heard from Brian before I may never hear from him again For all I know, he reached out to several shows Maybe he's never even listened to this one He might not even be listening to this very episode So I mean, the question I have For him and to anybody else Who might be interested in doing this Is why are you doing it? Are you doing it to have fun? Are you doing it to engage with the community? Are you doing it to blow up and make a career? I mean, those are all valid reasons to do it. But I think the uh, the thing you need to understand is that it's a long game. It's a long game for most of us. You know, uh, you know, luck will beat skill, right? Luck will beat skill anytime. If you luck into an algorithm, if you luck into, you know, rocking the socks off of an influencer, that's great. You know, that's, that's awesome. And, uh, I mean... God bless you and more power to you, but not all of us can count on that. That's that's for the few. For the rest of us, it's a long game, and it's going to have ups. It's going to have downs, right? And uh, not every single thing you do is going to land the same way, right? So you need to understand it's a long game. And uh, also, depending on what your goals are, you might never even realize when you've achieved them, when you've topped out, right? We're I've said it before. I've said it many times today. Niche of a niche, right? We're in a niche of a niche, and it's a crowded niche of a niche. So we have to understand the realities of that. So a very important thing to do, which I'm guilty of not doing, is uh, setting proper expectations. Don't set your expectations too high. Don't do... I mean, I think you should do research. I think you should research what a listenership in your chosen niche could be. But understand that every show is different I came into this hobby spinning off from a very successful show And I was privy to their download numbers And thought, wow, in no time, I'm going to have those same numbers And no, (laughs) no I don't know that I have a... Boy, even saying I might have a tenth of their listenership would be overselling it You know, maybe a... Boy, maybe... Or 5% So I mean Don't set your expectations too high Because that is uh, where That's where things fall apart And that's when you know The doubt goblins start uh, creeping in and, and nibbling at the back of your neck Right? You start to question everything You start to fear that you're headed in the wrong direction You start to think about failure You start to think about giving up You start to lose the joy That you had when you started doing this You start to forget the reason why you did it In the first place and uh, that's, you know, it's just one of those things that we need to understand. The expectation is, it needs to be internal. You know, it needs to be satisfaction from inside. And uh, with the realization that, I mean, the only person that you're out there to make happy is yourself. Anybody else who enjoys what you do is, is gravy, right? So it's taken me a very long time to get through all this here. And it's also taken me a long time to uh, kind of realize... <laughs> what I what I've learned over the past several years here. It's like, uh boy, if only I could get out of my own way. <laughs> but anyway, I think that's probably all I have to share for uh for now in this regard here. It might be a work in progress here. We might revisit this thing somewhere down the line every once and again, but uh I promise not to make it <laughs> a regular thing. And I apologize to everyone for uh droning on for you know, ever about this. Uh, hopefully it was at least uh A little bit enlightening, a little bit of a look behind the curtain here, and a little bit of putting my own sort of um, insecurities (laughs) on display. But, uh, yeah, I think that's where we'll leave it for now. Um, If anybody out there is still listening, God bless you. Thank you. Um, And if anybody out there would like to get a hold of me, please, please consider doing so. You could find me several different places. You can find me on Twitter at Ace Comics. You can shoot me an email over to History at gmail.com, or you can call into the X-Lapsed voicemail hotline at 623-396-JERK. For blog posts and show notes, you can head over to chrissoninfiniteearths.com. You can join us on Facebook. The little group is 90s X-Men. And, of course, the complete audio archives are available at chrisandreggie.podbean.com. We got the Patreon, patreon.com slash xlabs, where you'll find a bunch of exclusive content, a bunch of first-run content, a little bit more of the the behind-the-scenes stuff. If that sounds interesting to you, please consider trying it out. If not, hey, no hard feelings. We're all still friends. But uh, I think I'll finally shut up now. My uh, my dry mouth is really really doing a number on me, so... I will let you all go. Uh, I appreciate you spending an extended period of time with me today. Until next time, as always, I'll talk to you again real soon. See ya.